to the Southern Connection Podcast. We are a podcast founded by two male licensed marriage and family therapists who could not find a male-centered podcast. The Southern Connection Podcast is specifically formulated for men who are in pursuit of having better relationships in their personal lives and transitioning that relational growth into greater achievements and success in their professional lives. How are you, Jeff? I'm well, and you? I'm doing well, my friends. Nice brisk day in the, the oh, state dude. of Tennessee, huh? Yeah, so for you who are listening, don't know, the last, like, what, three days has yeah. been in the 20s in the morning when yeah. we've woken up. Yeah. I mean, frost. The, the grass is dying, mm-hmm. so that's always a good thing because mm-hmm. we don't have to mow again, thank God. Yeah. But, man, today's podcast is something that Jeff and I have been sort of preparing for a while, just sort of thinking about how did we want to do this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and important. It's going to be a personal one. It's going to Very be, we're going to give you information that come from our personal perspective, experiences, and uh, it, it's going to be something that we hope uh, will kind of get you to ask questions about yourself. I think that's our goal mm-hmm. anyway, and everything we talk about, yep. it's just to ask deeper questions and uh, kind of try to figure out like why we do the things we do and Absolutely. you know why we're experiencing the things we're experiencing and um, go to a deeper level mm-hmm. so we can really understand and with clarity of you know what's going on uh, within ourselves, right? Mentally, yeah. emotionally, and physically. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this because this is something we talked about two weeks ago. Um, and... Uh, it really hit home. So. We sat down to do do a podcast, right. and I just sort of, I did the total emotional dumping on Jeff of like we were just sitting here enjoying each other as fellowship, and all of a sudden I was just like, "Dude, let me share something with you that yeah. I found." And it, it's yeah. so what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about testosterone and specifically honing in on low testosterone. Mm-hmm. And so when men talk about testosterone. Uh, it's one of those things where like all of a sudden you get the shifty eyes, right? Like now no one wants to make eye contact. What are you talking about? Low testosterone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the culture war out there is soy boys, you know, yeah, like yeah. there's all this, there's all this negative, uh, connotations on, oh man, if you've got low T you're beta, you've got all sorts of stuff. And yeah. I woke up one day to a test that said I was actually below the lowest threshold for what they would test testosterone for. So first I want to preference this, this podcast with Jeff and I are not medical professionals. We're right. not licensed medical professionals. Um, we are, we're simply just providing you with this information so that you can go do your own research. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The other thing I want to share is the information that I've gotten is stuff that I've had to seek out on Google um, through different uh, whether I was just going through the interwebs or I ended up actually going through some online databases. Um, and the information is few and far between. Yeah. So again, do your own research, but this is just what has opened up my eyes. Yeah. And so um, let's just set the table. So why was I even getting tested? Right. So for like, I would probably say the last three years, at least, I had noticed in my own body that I was losing energy. Um, and I'll tell you, I was really afraid of what is this? Is this cancer? Mm-hmm. Is this diabetes? Mm-hmm. What like all these things were jumping through my mind. And so I was, you know, I was eating paleo or I was eating keto. I was trying to work out. But then I was also noticing that like through my own mental health, I was going through increased bouts of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I was experiencing mm-hmm. depression self-doubt in ways that I had never experienced before. And it it did hit me sort of like a sledgehammer. And that's why 
you just sort of wake up and you think like, wow, I feel like some people have stolen like some of the colors out of my world. Right. Yeah. And so, um, as a, as a mental health clinician, yeah. I was sitting there like looking at the TSM, looking at myself. Like I started actually taking notes on myself as if I was my own client, mm -hmm. tracking my emotions, tracking my energy levels, um, tracking my thought processes. And it was coming down to, I, I was like, I just, I'm, I'm again, I'm losing energy. I, I can't drag myself out of bed. And mm -hmm. I love being a clinician. I love what I do. Yeah. But I was finding myself, you know, uh, getting to sessions a little bit later than I normally did. You know, I'm normally a person. I wake up several hours before I have my first session. I have my own routine. And then I would have my session. Mm -hmm. I was starting to notice I was getting closer and closer to like 30 minutes before my session. I'm mm -hmm. finally putting myself in the shower. I'm finally getting the ability to, to get moving. I also noticed that just like my own relationship um with my wife with like intimacy it was amazing to be like i absolutely love and adore my wife but the idea of physical intimacy to me was like well can we take a rain check and i could see the negative effects it was having on our relationship mm -hmm. because um you know obviously your wife pivots to internalizing like mm -hmm. do you not find me attractive and, mm -hmm. and the thing that really broke my heart jeff is like trying to verbalize and verbalizing, no, I still love you. I right. still see you as my bride, right. but I literally don't have a fire inside of me. Like my libido packed its bags and left in the middle of the night. So for the men that are listening out there and that maybe can relate um, and, and being a mental health professional, so you're helping clients that might be dealing with the same symptoms that, that you got going oh, on yes. personally. Right. And so uh, what, what what's some encouragement that you can provide um for you know people that are listening out there that might be experiencing the same types of things what when you said you know kind of search for these this information on your own and now they're hearing it and they're like there's some validation going on mm -hmm. right now right here's here's a professional that's just being personal and open with yeah. his own experience so what you know how can you encourage them if they're hearing this and we're like mm -hmm. oh my god this, I, I can identify with some of this stuff let's see what's the easiest way to do this um because here's the i don't want to be a debbie downer in this situation but sure. the scary part of this is that when you start asking the questions first yeah there's not much of a response in what i would call um uh, helpful engagement okay when i first uh first time i sat down with uh my general practitioner mm -hmm. told him how i was feeling mm -hmm. Uh, he told me, oh, well, you know, you're, you're entering your thirties. And mm. so this, and again, so, so listen to this. I mean, I was 29 when I started to go, I'm feeling something different. Okay. And my provider said, oh, well, um, you're overweight. You're entering your thirties. This is kind of par for the course. And this I just, is, I normal. This is normal. Okay. And, and he really put it on. He's like, I, I have always been a bigger guy. I'm six five. I'm three hundred and thirty pounds. You're a giant man. I've just always been a large guy. Now yeah. a lot of that has also been muscle structure because I used to lift a lot. I loved mm. really being able to work out. And what I was noticing though is I was noticing that like my muscle structure was turning into fat, and it wasn't necessarily in regards to I wasn't being active. Yeah, because I've always been a fairly active person. I mean, I love the outdoors. Yep. I love hiking. Yes, I love hunting. Does. Like. <laughs> I, you know, like, it's really hard for me to hear like, oh, you're, you know, you're not physical, but I can drag 180 pound deer five miles back to the truck. Like there's, 
no, there's there. I, I was noticing different things in my body. Okay. Of just wait a second. I'm, I have to take naps in the middle of the day mm-hmm. or I need to go to bed at eight o'clock. Like, mm-hmm. And so my doctor went to, Oh, well, um, you're not diabetic, but you're on the borderline of pre-diabetic. So you're, this is really has to do with your weight issue. And his response was, why don't we put you on an antidepressant and an anti-anxiety medication? Um, and then if you work out, you lose weight and we'll take you off these other things. And at that time I said, well, I, I don't think that that's what I need. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's, this is going to be the problem with the podcast and, and being honest with this. People are going to go, oh, well, this mental health professional was even saying, you know, I don't want to take my mental health meds. Right. It's because I truly believed that there was a physiology behind this. Okay. And until that was proven to me, mm-hmm. I didn't want to just put a Band-Aid on something. Yeah. So I realized at that time, because my my healthcare was being handled by, um, let's see, that's where we have to be, we have to be careful as well. So it was being handled by a large mental health institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll hear me probably move forward in this podcast calling it corporate healthcare. Yeah. So corporate healthcare pretty much follows anything that the FDA has down, <clears throat> whatever the CDC recommends. And this isn't about being anti-establishment. It's really about, I need to find the answers that are applicable to me. Correct. And so um, I started asking questions about like, well, I'm doing some research and I'm noticing that some studies that are coming out of England and out of Europe is that, uh, you know, gentlemen who have low testosterone scores also have higher anxiety, higher depression. Mm. Um, when they survey, survey them, what if we take a peek at testosterone? And I kept on hearing back from my doctor, there's no need to even do the test. You're 30 years old. Like we don't even really test till testosterone until you're like 55 or more. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> it was concerning to me because I'm like, well, I, again, I'm just trying to seek the information, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I'll never forget, I was 31 years old and my doctor was now turning to me when I was telling him that I have a, I had more of an increased low libido that his response was like, oh, well then let's get you approved for Viagra or for a Cialis or, and again, it's and like doing this at 30, 31, 31, 31 is when they were like, yeah, so let's, let's, <laughs> but do, they won't test for, your they won't test, some, they uh, won't test me for testosterone. Okay. And so again, I was like bump, sort of bumping around in the dark, right? That, I, I don't mean to interrupt. No, you. that seems backwards to me. Absolutely. So they're going to give you medication to increase sexual desire, right? Is that correct? <clears throat> well, I mean, and so I would even argue Viagra and Cialis does not increase sexual desire. Okay, so it's they, just telling me I'm going to be able to maintain an erection. Uh, okay. So, so like, if you want to go, like, well, small tangent here, right? Because okay? right. I work with a lot of veterans. Yeah. Okay. So when I'm working with gentlemen who have survived unbelievable uh, traumatic events. Yes. Um, because they've lot, been to war. And they've battle. been to war. Right. Okay. They've seen dismemberment. Yep. They've seen all yep. sorts of things. Yeah. A lot of them are also prescribed Cialis or Viagra so that they can have a, a quote unquote healthy sex lives with their wives uh-huh. or their significant others. However, you're just guaranteeing that we can maintain an erection. You aren't guaranteeing that the we can desire. that we can have connection, right? Wow. Yeah. Like okay. if I still feel I'm feeling just 
not to be brash here, but it's like, oh, great. Now I'm disassociated with a boner. Like yeah. that's that, no, like, no, it, it makes it, total sense to me. It, yeah. um, I mean, and now imagine the shame and guilt a person feels. Mm-hmm. And this is where I could really start to align with my, yeah. my clients of like the shame and guilt of like, sure, I, I, I have one of the best directions of my life, yeah. but I still, I'd rather just go to sleep. Wow. You know, I, I just don't have that emotional component. Like, and I, I you know, when it, it is biology and physiology at, at a, a certain standpoint of like, I'm not in pursuit of my spouse. So you go to this professional mm-hmm. and you say, this is, I'm, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z. And they say, Hey, we're going to give you this. And that'll kind of band-aid it, right? You're yeah. talking about the band-aid. And so, but the emotional component, right? So they're addressing maybe the, the physiological in the sense that you can have an erection, you could actually mm-hmm. have sex, but the emotional connection and that drive and desire is not there. And that's, it, if, if I've got you correctly, yeah. like that, that's what you're there to try to yeah. <laughs> figure out, like need help with. Well, you know, or at least address like where, why am I experiencing these things? And where is that coming from? Correct. I, if you ask me what is a healthy sex life, mm-hmm. it's emotional intimacy carried out through physical action. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So like sex in it itself is that emotional intimacy of being connected with one another. Yeah. Right. And they're coming together. Physically. But yes, but it's not just the act itself. Correct. Like yeah. me just being yeah. able to do the very sterile A plus B equals right. C doesn't. Make yeah. that. I want to make sure men hear that. Like, you yeah. know, it's the emotional connection with the physical attachment yeah. portion is not just the physical, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's a lot of men out there. It's like, no, it's about the physical, but th- there's the emotional component too that brings us closer together. So oh, that yes. way, when we be join together physically, and so th- they're trying to give you a piece of it, and that's just like cover, like cover yeah. makeup for you know exactly. Yeah, it you know it's window dressing. Yeah, and, and so. I, again, I was stuck in this situation where I'm like, well, first of all, I'm 31 years old. Mm-hmm. I have been, I've been licensed for two years as a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also am a person that loves research. Yeah. So I have been constantly researching this through my whole time of going through this mental health profession of how to reach men, how to better help men. And now I'm, I'm sort of getting to see the nasty side of the machine in front of me because I'm going, okay, but just being able to give me an erection is not like I, I don't think that's going to automatically make me happy, right? Like, yeah. and there is a honeymoon effect to it when you know the first time you're able to actually carry out all the way through to climax and enjoy your, your spouse, but then all of a sudden it's like it loses its luster again because that emotional component isn't there, yeah. So, um, my, my medical professionals were essentially just telling me, like, well, this is kind of life, right? Mm. And uh, at 30 at 30. And so it's like, um, I don't think it is. I think there's, I think there's more here. We're missing pieces. We're missing pieces. Yeah. So that's when I started to do a lot of research, um, reading books such as like the obesity code. Um, also going through like primal diets. The reason why is because I, again, in my research, I just kept on finding that more and more uh, there's an epidemic happening that no one's actually paying attention to. And that is, if you took it right now and go to Google and you type in um, low testosterone levels in uh, um, Western culture, you will be flooded with with research and not just like fringe research. I mean, it is being talked about. BBC, a medical journal of, uh, of uh, London, like all these other things. 
Mm-hmm. We're talking about it, but there isn't a spotlight like it should be. Right. And so when you start paying attention, there's even this like subculture of there's even worse testosterone level scores in America. Mm. And so when you start to actually dig into this, all of a sudden we start realizing that there's external environmental factors that are impacting this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny the the grain, uh, there's, there's several different genetic, uh, genetically modified organisms that we grow here in America that are banned by Europe. Yeah. Okay. You can't grow these. You can't even carry them across the pond. Like it is bad news if you were to have these and be found yeah. in Europe. Yep. Yet the grain that we're growing here uh, has been gen- genetically modified to such a, a point that it's actually carrying Roundup in its DNA. Like the genetic markers of how Roundup is made is chemically bonded to the DNA of some of this stuff. Wow. Now, I know I'm starting to sound like put on your tinfoil hats and whatnot, but I think what we can recognize here is that in America, since like the 1950s, there's been a radical shift in how we consume mm-hmm. produce and food. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like mm-hmm. out of the 50s was born pretty much um, the TV tray, Correct. like lifestyle. Yep. Like that was when the microwave came out and all of yeah. a sudden we're like, woo, this is awesome. Yeah. Everyone can be in front of the TV. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And so we really did start like outsourcing our responsibility in what we consume because we weren't getting things from farmers. We weren't mm-hmm. getting fresh um, and, and non-processed, yeah. uh, you know, uh, consumables. Mm-hmm. And so this started to fascinate me because I was... I was going, well, I know I have to change my diet. And I noticed when I went paleo and I was paleo for about uh, a year solid where I didn't fall off the train, I I did notice that certain things started to come back. Mm. Like I know we always talk about like good old morning glory, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like (laughs) that was something that I – that was the reason why I first really reached out to my doctor when I hit 30 of like being like, man – the morning wood's not there. Like, yeah, right. I forget. Right. Did I drop a subscription? Right. <laughs> like, but like, I don't think a lot of people ask that question because, I mean, like, we get to a certain age and we just maybe assume yeah. that this is happening to me and everybody else yeah. because we guys ain't going to talk about it. Like, hey, yeah, I'm not getting yeah. the, the morning wood anymore. It's like, so it's, yeah. we don't ask the questions, right? And so we just accept it. So I'm, I, I'm grateful that you didn't just accept it. And you recognize that these the symptoms that you had, mm-hmm. th- there might be more to it. And then, yes. and then not even taking the corporate doctor's word, you're like, uh, but I've been doing my own research because that's what I enjoy doing. This is the information I found. So, I, you know. And, and like even the, like, yes, I, I am a, a consumer of information. I love research. Yeah. But I was really doing this for my life. Yeah. So I was like, one, I don't want to lose marriage. Two, yeah. I don't want to lose myself. Yeah. And I'm feeling like, it's weird. We can talk about these things. You can, you can even like give me the side eye of like, yeah, that's out there, but we don't treat that yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was just sort of sitting there going, like, well, we don't treat that yet, but I don't want to end up like a 55 or a 60 year old with cancer or something riddling my body because, well, we didn't really look at that during your generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, this was when I had never heard of it before, but I started hearing about concierge doctors and what I heard was concierge doctors are licensed medical professionals, um, but they uh, are not loyal to any one establishment. Mm-hmm. And they are a little bit more solution focused for their clients, for 
who they're caring for. And so I'm not going to lie to you, concierge doctors are not cheap, but they're actually extremely cheap when you put it into consideration of like what you get out of it. Yeah. So right? when you say not loyal um, to, uh, oh, I forgot the word you used. Like a medical establishment. Uh, med- so like uh, pharmaceuticals type stuff? What, what do you mean by that? Ooh, so there's like, again, I, I, I'm I, just I, asking, I don't, I don't know, like what loyal, loyalty yeah. to what? Uh, so standard so practice is it standard practice. Yeah. Like, so everyone knows I have no desire to kill myself. <laughs> so like, yeah, like yeah, right. we're getting down to this stuff. Like right. it, it does get wider. Um, no. So not only are they in allegiance with like big pharma, uh-huh. but there's also corporate, um, corporate. Yeah. So like, I mean, whether you're talking about like whatever insurance companies, mm-hmm. cause here at the end of the day, the insurance companies reimburse the, the providers, right? right? Yeah. So the insurance companies will tell them what they do or do not want mm-hmm. and what they will and will not approve. And the re- the sad reality of that then is that individuals are following sort of the stream of what they know is reimbursable. Mm. Not necessarily like, hey, that's a good question. Let's go ahead and take a peek at that more. Mm. Because, um, you know, if you walk in and this is just, I, I get it. Uh, up until recently, you know, up until COVID, no one had a reason to doubt the FDA or the CDC or right. anything like that. Yeah. Well, now, you know, if you ask certain questions, maybe as a provider, you're going to be blackballed. Mm. You know, like these people, let's not let's not diminish the fact that these these doctors have created their practices. They have uh, put together reputations. And they don't necessarily want that to be tarnished because they go out on what they might see as a fool's errand. Like, mm-hmm. well, am I really going to be the one that raises the flag on testosterone? Am I going to really be the one that raises the flag on whatever? So they're just following suit. They're following. Them. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, it's like continuing education hours for you and I, yeah. like when we go to some of these continuing education, they, they sort of just, they parrot information to us and they make sure we can parrot that information back and mm-hmm. then we're good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's great to, to be educated. It's right. supposed to be continued education. Yeah. Um, but when essentially it's just a reminder of how to fall in line, then that's the frustration. And that's where I felt like we were really fighting with, um, with at least for me, trying to get care. A- another way of care. Correct? Yes. So not, not just following the suit of what's been pushed on them and what they're supposed to follow, but Hey, I want to get to the root of the issue. I don't want to just cover it up with taking more pills or more medication or Well, again, we're back to yeah. so so let's set the table again. We're still at the process in this timeline where yeah. they won't test me for testosterone. Okay. But I've been offered an antidepressant, an anxiety medication, and I have a prescription for uh-huh. Viagra. Yeah. So you go see it you, you go see a professional. You go see a professional that can get to the root so yes, issue. this is why I decided, okay, I'm going to try to do the concierge doctor route. And so the concierge doctor route was, again, doing a lot of research on anyone who was a good, competent medical professional yeah. um, who I felt really cared about the concerns of their um, their patients. Okay. And so uh, I find one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and it was a, di- a whole different experience when I came in and I sat down. Um, because at first I wasn't sort of met with what I felt was the institutional position of like, we're going to go ahead and tell you what you mm. are going to take. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, it was the first time I'd ever sat with a doctor and spent 
seriously 30, 45 minutes of like going through my medical health chart. Mm. And like, so what's in your parents' history? What's in your history? What's, and uh, I was very clear to him right off the beginning. I said, I really want to do one of the widest panels we can do. I want to get all my blood work. Because mm-hmm. again, I don't, I don't know if the people who have previously seen my blood work were actually looking at everything. And he was right on par with me with this and and said, yep, let's do this. Uh, And then he asked, you know, and and this is a, as a man, it's always hard when he goes, well, is there anything you want to tell me? Right. And it's like, well, but I tell you for three years, I feel like I've been fighting an invisible battle. Um, I'm, I'm finding it difficult to pull myself out of bed. I'm, I'm losing that willpower because I, you know, if you know me, from anything I, I love to create that's why i love to do podcasts right that's why i love to write and i was running into not just writer's block but the just i didn't have the gusto to get out and do it at all yeah. like i would sit in front of the computer and I'd be like man i'd rather just climb into bed and um again one of the biggest moments for me was when it was deer season mm-hmm. and i just like i woke up early i was gonna go deer hunting and i, I just i there's no way i was gonna go and for those of you who know Adam, you know the passion that runs through this guy's veins of taking out a deer, you know, from you know, whether it's five yards or 30 yards. The boy loves to hunt. It's, it's his lifestyle. I mean, it's why he's here in Tennessee. You know, and it, it's, and it, you know, I well, it's the closest it. thing I can do yeah. to feel close to my dad, right? My dad still lives on the West Coast. And so a lot of times doing hunting is a way of like being able to, sort of feel like that connection, that bond together. And so I just, I remember being in tears in the bathroom. I was halfway putting my clothes on and I just, I, I couldn't imagine driving 45 minutes to where I was going to go hunting and actually go hunting. And I crawled back into bed. Uh, I, I went to sleep. My wife woke up at eight o'clock or whatever it was, shook me and said, Oh my God, you slept past your alarm. And I said, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to go. And that was when she pretty much arm barred me. Mm. <laughs> it's like, you're going to the doctor. Like I'm tired of seeing you wither around. So, so this is now I'm sitting in his office. We've gone through this. He says, okay, we're going to do this whole panel. He said, there's going to be things that pop up on this panel that you're going to be uncomfortable with. And he even prepped me. He's like, there's going to be things that are just going to come out and you're just going to need to trust me on that. Mm. He said, you know, if you need to call me when you get this results back, call me, but know that anything that pops up on there, I'm calling for these panels for a reason. So I, I go to a, a testing facility. Um, again, it's, it's, you know, that just a sterile testing facility, right? Mm-hmm. I show up in the morning and I take about four vials of blood and they say, we'll be able to get you your test results in 24 to 48 hours. So it is like the next day I see a blip across my email. And I open it up and it is, I mean, it's three pages of, of all blood, the results of all these different blood tests. Mm-hmm. And if you know me, I, again, keep a lot of my information. My, my father has uh, had a lot of heart, heart problems. And so he always was stilled in me. You always keep like every test result you ever have. Just that way you can see what it looks like if you ever test in the future. So, um, so re- remember, now we're two, two years ahead of where I was. Okay. When I first sat down yeah. with a doctor to talk about my problems. Two years. So two, two years, years of going through all those symptoms. Like they didn't. Yeah, they, they didn't, didn't go away. Okay. They And they were worsening. Because remember, it was me going, oh, man, like, oh, yeah, well, I'm not going to go play flag football. And then it was yeah. to like, I can't find joy in Hunting. a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a progression oh, to yeah. the point of your wife say, saying, no, this, this no. ain't right. Because 
you're now not doing the thing that you love very the much. Most, and, right? Like, and, well, not the most. <laughs> you're going out with her is the most, right? But <laughs> the second, right? The second. But but within yeah. the context of extracurricular <laughs> activities that are not including her, it is the most. Exactly. But yes. Exactly. Yes. So then, then it's, she's and then she knows. And yeah, because it, it's been a battle. It, yeah. it had been about and yeah. you know, my wife is steadfast. Yeah. I could not have a better yeah, partner in that. Like I really couldn't. She always met me with grace. Even when like that was the thing. It could it could break my heart because I knew I was disappointing her, but she never used it against me, right? Like oh that's such a and, that's that right there is worth the pause of what a big deal that is to have a support of a spouse in so that not regard. everyone has that. No, no. not everyone has that. And like the fact that she was willing to sit with me in like, well, we'll find it out. Right. Um, and she was, you know, on a, probably a different podcast, but she was like the original guinea pig. Mm-hmm. We actually sent her to this clinician first and mm-hmm. he was amazing. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm willing to take the chance. Of course, yeah, we put our wife first. Right? So yeah, like, not... I mean, like, <laughs> exactly. Same thing. Go ahead, girl. Like, like well, I... <laughs> I was just like, and I was always on that train of like, yeah. we will always be able to afford to meet whatever medical standard you need. Um, and then we'll see if we have enough for me. Right. Then that's not always a good thing as a man, but we can talk about that later. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I, I, I get these test results and I'll never forget. Um, I'm actually pulling them up on my phone. I'll never forget. Like I opened it and the thing I, I love and hate how these test results re- read because they're, you know, there's numbers in black and then there's numbers in red, mm. right? Mm. And so red, red, red. red I don't know I mean, about you, but growing up going to school, red would never, it was never a color that I, I enjoyed well, seeing yeah. on my papers. So Any letters in red is what Jesus spoke, right? So <laughs> Jesus had a lot to say. Those are good. Those, <laughs> yeah, those aren't all bad, but man, when I get those grades back and it came in red, I was like, ay, ay, ay. Yeah. So, I mean, I just started to see all these numbers in red and you know, my cholesterol was off the chart, all these other things. Hmm. Um, and I was pretty frustrated when I was seeing these because I'm going like, dude, like I wasn't perfect keto, but I'm like, man, I think I'm eating healthier than mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking at these things and then we get down, you know, uh, we get down to the hemoglobin, the A1Cs, the you're looking at your insulin numbers. And again, it's like, oh man, this, like they're elevated, but I had my previous charts. And so they weren't elevated past what I had, I had actually posted two years previous. So they had sort of stayed, stayed there. But then finally the thing I'd been looking for forever, mm. testosterone. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, the acceptable, what like the medical professionals find acceptable is, um, uh, 300 to uh, 1080 in uh, nanoliters, basically. Okay. And where my number came in was 294. So I was... So you're below. I was below level. the low number. Wow. Right? Okay. And um, again, I'm not a medical professional, so I may see, say the nanoliter thing wrong. But anyways, I'm Your number is below the range yeah. of what they're looking for. The range for. is 300 to 1080 yeah and, and that, that range by itself is big it seems it's a massive yeah. like massive right okay. so i uh, i i get a call from the office because they got the results as well and they say let's schedule um a phone call uh, and then we'll, we'll talk from there mm-hmm. so um i wait for a week and then it's my appointment so i get a phone call and my uh, my doctor says what do you think about the test results 
And I was like, man, it's, it's eye opening. And I told him right off the bat, I'm not even, I'm not like tearful. I'm not, I don't feel shame. The testosterone thing is actually a little bit of a pep in my step mm. because I'm now recognizing that it, what I've been experiencing up to this point, uh, is most likely due to a physiological problem. It's, mm. it's not mental health. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, deficiency in other chemi- uh, chemicals. It's mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah. He said, so I have a plan. And first time I had a medical doctor that said, I have a plan, wow. right? Like, and, um, he said, you know, I want you to look at your cholesterol. I want you to look your A1C, your insulin. He says, you know, um, definitely, you know, trim out those, uh, those flour based carbs, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And I was, I was, you know, farting around with a burger here or there, some sure. noodles, nothing like that. But yeah. he said, uh, he said, don't change your diet too much. He said, just hold with what you've been doing and mm-hmm. we're going to start utilizing a plant-based um, testosterone cream on you and we'll test you in a month and we'll see what these numbers are mm-hmm. and uh, I said okay and I was like so is it is it gonna work pretty quickly and he's like well you know it, it, it he's being a professional right he's like you know everyone experiences it differently right. and so we'll see we'll see how it is so um, I get my order I get get my cream I start using it how I, how I'm directed mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed right off the bat, my energy levels were coming back. Wow. And when I mean energy levels, it wasn't sexual energy. It was just like, okay, wait a second. I'm not hitting that like midday, yeah. like lull. Um, and then I was starting to have more of these moments of like, whenever there's just like a challenge that pops up in the day, instead of being like, ah, oh, crap, another thing. Uh-huh. It was like, okay, let's get it done and let's just keep moving. Yeah. I was just noticing that I had more of a reserve emotionally to handle weird things popping up in life than I had had before. Like I could sidetrack a whole day. If one thing happened, it was like, you know what? I'm going back to bed. Yeah. And I wasn't all together. Exactly. And I wasn't having those experiences. Um, and I started to notice also that my self-confidence was changing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and again, it wasn't like, wham, it hits you. You just like, you start to just notice like, wow, I've, I'm actually accomplishing a lot. Okay. You know, um, especially as like a therapist, like being able to, I've always been one to return phone calls. Like, I just hate when people don't return phone calls, Yeah. but like being able to like, oh, I can do two hours of writing emails after work or I'm doing like, I was just feeling good in that regard. Okay. A little more motivation. A little bit more motivation. Got it. And then I noticed like the second week, it was like, uh, it's totally the meme, if anyone's seen it, of like Thor waking up and going like, I'm worthy because he's got a, he's got morning wood. Yeah. And it was like, all of a sudden, those random erections that you normally had, yeah. like in life, like you're just walking down the street and all of a sudden it reminds you why you can't wear sweatpants. Like, oh. there's like, right. wow. <laughs> like there's just, you're having these experiences that you're like, I remember this. Mm. I remember just those spontaneous erections, mm-hmm. but that hadn't been a part of my life for the you know last two and a half years at this point. Yeah, And so there was also other issues here. And the other issues was also like my wife and I, had been trying to have kids for about two years during this process. And what was so demoralizing during this process is my libido is gone and now I'm feeling forced. And what I mean by force is my my wife was not doing anything wrong. We both had a desire to have kids, but I felt shame based on not being able to perform 
And so now there was, I was feeling the other mental health side of it, Mm -hmm. of like avoidance, right? Like uh, I started going to bed at different times than she went to bed. You know, I I was trying to make sure that we actually didn't have as much opportunity for intimacy. So you didn't have to feel that that letdown of not being able to. Yeah, because the other side of it is, you know, something that uh, research has shown with low testosterone is not necessarily you have an inability to um, achieve an erection. It's to maintain an erection. Mm. And when you actually start going through the research of people who are utilizing um, medication for ED, most of the time it's not because they are unable to, again, manufacture or have an erection. It is to maintain it. Okay. So this is where, again, we're going to get to it, but this is the part where, you know, I do have just a healthy question of how much does the pharmaceutical companies influence Mm -hmm. how we treat certain things? Mm -hmm. Because if you look at it, like what I pay Mm -hmm. for my treatment for testosterone, you know, three months supply is $30. But then if you're going to do a three month supply of Viagra, it's going to be anywhere between 80 to $160. Wow. So there is definitely an incentive financially one way for maybe the treatment to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I still don't believe you're building that connection. Yeah. Because what I noticed right off the bat with testosterone is sure after a week or so, I started to notice that like my, my man brain was back, you know, where like you see your wife doing something, you're like, "Mm, she's looking good. You're attracted. Like you're like, you're feeling like, Oh wow. Like, wow, my bride is gorgeous, mm. right? Like mm-hmm. you can catch her, her smile and she's starting to floor you again. And, yeah. and my wife had never stopped doing that. But it was again, like all the color had been taken out of my crayon box. I hear you, yeah. Where, um, you know, because I still would have moments previous to treatment where I'd be like, wow, she is gorgeous. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am lucky beyond my means. Mm-hmm. But then I wouldn't have any physiological response. Yeah. Like, oh, we'll go grab her. So now you're starting like, to have and I'm that. I'm starting to have to... that like desire come back, right? Got it. Like, I think for my wife is when she noticed, like, when I slapped her on the butt again, right? Like, she, like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. She hasn't done something like that. Like, in a while. Back, like, baby, like exactly. <laughs> like, it, and yeah. that's the healthy, yeah. playful side that we have to have, right? Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like when you go in for a hug and you hold her just a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And, Mm-hmm. You know, everything else, it was just like me maintaining sort of my tank being on E, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I didn't have extra to give. Yeah. And so um, I'm t- I take this for a month straight, f- you know, follow the whole protocol, and then we test again. And when we test again, what I find is a lot of the red is disappearing, not mm-hmm. just testosterone. Because sometimes people are like, well, yeah, n- naturally testosterone is going to drop off, right? Yeah. No, watching my A1C drop, Mm. watching my insulin score get cut in half. And again, I didn't significantly change my diet. Like if we were really going to say like, well, I I like might have missed a couple sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, But like um, at our house, we're always on it with like breakfast is keto, dinner is keto, Uh lunch is where I normally fall apart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in great reality, it's not that big of a change, but I'm starting to watch all this stuff. And the other side of it is watching my cholesterol, my lipids go through the floor. Wow. Just, just, just from testosterone. Wow. Now, 
something that I, I should have added is, you know, three years in the previous first time I ever sat down, oh, we need to get you on statins. We need to get you on cholesterol medication. So, I mean, again, I was going to walk out of that first meeting with a antidepressant and anti-anxiety medication, a statin. Um, and it, it just, it blew me away of like, wait a second, we're sitting here and you're willing to give me those four things, but you won't test me for mm. what I'm asking to be tested for. Mm. And then when I ask you if that number is low, your response is like, well, but we don't actually, we don't manage those numbers. Like that's it's not even something they're looking at. Yeah. And I think because, you, you said earlier, it, it's like, that's not something we're looking at yet. Exactly. Right? And it's like, wait a minute. Like, this is an issue. This is the issue I'm having. Now I'm doing the research and I'm saying this is not just an issue with me. There's issues with other men, the whole Western society. And so it's like, there's a bigger problem here. But you want to give me this, this, and this yeah. to kind of temporarily take care of or band-aid, right? Yeah. Uh, an issue. I think it's really, if we, we look at this as objectively as possible, I think it falls back on um, the Western culture's uh, approach to healthcare is more focused on triage than it is actual recovery, mm. right? Like we're willing to prescribe prescriptions and medications that will uh, get you to fall into a certain number that we've deemed fit, but we aren't actually going uh, going for what's causing those numbers to be off in the beginning to ultimately heal you. So you don't mm -hmm. need the medication. So exactly. I, I think this is where personally, I think this is Jeff personal opinion when it's, when it's business-based and there's money to be made, it makes all the more sense to me that they would just give you medication to keep you dependent and needing it just to maintain and not solve the actual situation does, you know, give you the solution to the issue. So you don't need that medication anymore. Mm -hmm. Business wise, that, that put me out of business. If, if I'm going to be directly on, like I help clients to get to the point where they don't need me anymore to fire me. Yeah. That is how I work. Yep. If I wanted to keep them stuck, then I would just give them little bitty, you know, pieces of nuggets and here yeah. and there just to keep them needing more. But that's not how I work. I want them to get healed. But then also I want them to impact others around them and give them the information that. And so. Well, when, because you and I are also bound to an ethics, right? So correct. Our, our ethics that we sign on with. But aren't they bound to ethics as well? I would say uh individual companies and corporations are not bound to those. Ethics. But the doctor is. So yeah, that's where the, the water gets pretty muddy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, what master do you serve at that point? Yeah. I, I would say, yeah, my ethics should be to my, my clients, Correct. to my patients. Yeah. But then I think there's a lot of people that are just scared, at, scared to death of losing their careers or yeah. their ability to practice medicine. And I can align with that, but then, you also have to come to accept the consequences of you selling your reputation and who mm -hmm. you are as a person out mm -hmm. based on fear. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's sort of where we're at in a lot of different ways in healthcare. I agree. Yeah. Um, and so here's like the, the funny thing is if you, again, if you start trying to find out what was the testosterone levels throughout the generations. Yeah. This one floored this, me when we talked this about is, this. This is the thing that really blew like the lid off for me when I started paying attention to this. So believe it or not, 
the institution that has tracked us the most because most institutions are not tracking it happens to be the government. How does the government do it? It's because of their military branches. Mm -hmm. So again, you can find this information out on the interwebs. Again, what's the validity? I don't know, but it makes complete sense to me. And if you actually look at it, there is a lot of results that are out here, especially when you look at some of these studies that are done that can show that men are losing or dropping their testosterone scores throughout generations. It kind of falls into it. So basically what we could start off with is we can start off with like World War II. So the men who were jumping out of planes and punching Nazis in the face were somewhere between 1,200 and 1,000 in their scores. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then if we start paying attention as we go through Korea, we start to see that the, the, the median number there is right around 800. Okay. Right. Then we start looking at like Vietnam. Now the number's down to 600. Right. So we're the average. These the are the average. These are the average, these, these are okay. the average number that the, the soldier going to war is having. Okay. Right. So then you start paying attention to like, well, wait a second. So we already had twelve hundred yeah. to a thousand, somewhere in there. On average. On average in, in World War Two. So that's what, nineteen thirty nine to forty five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you're talking about Korea, which is really only a decade after. Mm-hmm. We're already seeing the drop there. And then we see Vietnam, it's already halved, right? Yeah. So what has happened in time in that time period? Again, not not a medical professional, but I'm just saying the way that America consumed its food yeah. changed drastically. Okay. So we're getting into the heavily processed food side. Mm-hmm. And when you actually start paying attention, there's a lot of studies that are coming out now that are saying, that our bodies are under all of these sort of like proxy. Um, how would I want to word that? It, our body is already under like attack when it comes to our immune system based mm-hmm. off of the external factors it's already trying to navigate. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. if you if you disagree with this, there's a reason why people don't take sweet and low. Right. Like we know that there's stuff out there that negatively impacts the body. Right. 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 So 600 were in Vietnam. Then the last real solid data that we have is Desert Storm. Okay. 90s. Right? 90s. And we're in the 400s. there. Like if you actually start paying attention, then the number that they say is a good average for any man to have now is your number needs to be around 440. 440. 440 is is what they find acceptable. That is 800, uh, whatever yeah. nano, yeah, under the the norm of the v, mm-hmm. uh, World War II. Yeah, that is now the okay. This is where we want you to be. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. I'm looking up so we can actually sound super professional. So the, I mean, oh, it's nanograms. It is nanograms. Nanograms. Okay, good. Okay, so nanograms. So yes. So. World War II, 1,200 to 1,000. And then so now, today, 440 nanograms is the recommended average. So they don't even have a recommendation. They just say that that's the acceptable number. And and then we get back to the range. I'm like, goes from 300 to 1080. It's so big of a range. And then they pick 440. So it's on the lower end of the range anyway. Oh, man. I, I just, when you brought this to my attention a few weeks ago, I was like, I just couldn't believe this information that you acquired. And I was like, it, it just, it hit home in a lot of ways for me and I'll eventually share it. But 
the fact that here's an issue, like mm-hmm. this is a significant issue that you were struggling with, with these yeah. um, symptoms and everything you're going through. And you ask them, Hey, can you test this? And they, ah, well, we didn't really, we're not really doing that, but we can give you this. And I'm just, I just took a step back and I'm like, that, that, like, why wouldn't they, you know? And it, I, I know we're not going to answer it, but we can, you know, assume or at least observe reasons possibly why. Mm-hmm. And then you go see a professional that says, oh yeah, well, let's look at that. Let's get you a blood, let's get you blood tested. We'll panel all these different things and all these results. And then guess what? I got a plan and we're going to start here. We're going to start with what you wanted to start with and watch how the body responds. Yeah. And just, I mean, there, I feel like there's so many downstream positive effects of this for me. Cause like, um, I started to notice also like just how my gait was, how I was walking. Like I I did feel like I was falling apart. It was confidence. It was also like, you know, just, Oh man, I feel rickety, you know? And, uh, I like when you told me you picked up some weights and you started lifting weights again. You're like, yeah. this. Oh, yeah. you Because yeah. that was the other thing is I couldn't – I love the pump. Like, I really do. Yeah. And there was a thing that I used to chase forever in my 20s. And, um, you know, it, it was something that when I tried to get back into it, I couldn't get the pump again. Mm. Like, it didn't feel the same. It was mm. just like, yeah, this is exercise, but I'm not feeling the passion in it. And so then when I was actually picking up the weights after, you know, my first week on it and I started to be like, oh man, I like this. I feel this again. I'm starting to feel like color is coming back into my life. Yeah. Um, and that's when it was like, okay, I know I'm on the right track. And then the more I have talked about this with other professionals, because um, a lot of times I'm sitting in on panels, whether I'm sitting, uh, you know, as the mental health clinician in the room and there's a medical professional in the room and we're talking about someone's case or whatever. And again, finding that a lot of individuals that are wrestling with mental health also have completely depleted T levels mm-hmm. where their testosterone levels are just through the floor. Mm-hmm. But then when you just try to be curious and just like, Oh, well, why wouldn't we treat something like that? They're just really quick to pair the same information, which is like, Oh, well, if you start that, you'll never be able to, to not take a supplement. And I would just, I would question people to just do your research because yeah. there is a side of uh, big pharma that does provide testosterone, but what you'll find is it's synthetic testosterone. You either get it through pellets or injections and the pellets and the injections typically have some of the more negative research outcomes attributed to them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because if we're really honest, our bodies don't actually like anything that's synthetic yeah um it recognizes it and then it it comes to accept that that's going to be provided and so your body naturally shuts it down you and i had the same conversation about well if people are so hell-bent on making sure that we don't have synthetics in our bodies and that would severely um, impact the mental health pharmaceutical market Mm -hmm. because psychopharmaceuticals Mm -hmm. there's many of them out there right that help produce an abundance of dopamine serotonin they you know also inhibit re uh, reuptake and reintake and if we're concerned about those then wouldn't we be concerned about how frequently we prescribe those Mm -hmm. so there is an allowable model for some things but not others right um and so the other thing that i would really want people to dive into is looking at 
the fact that like low testosterone scores are also there is a correlation between low testosterone scores and an increase in prostate cancer. And not by like a little bit. Yeah. I mean, this is this was the other really eye-opening thing to me going like, oh no, like is this the silent part being said out loud, which was, mm. you know, when looking at my testosterone level, uh -huh. so I was 294. Yeah. I was somewhere between 300 and 600% chance increased risk Whoa. at developing prostate cancer. Over just based the, on the low testosterone? based on the low testosterone. Okay. And again, please, I want everyone to go out there, find this information. You can find it. It's out there. Check out good medical databases. There's a lot out there. ProQuest is a great one. And you'll start to see that there's this correlation with low testosterone, increased prostate cancer. Now, I don't know about you as men, but I have also been paying attention. The last decade, like a lot of my mentors have either been dying or have been... Uh, you know, experiencing mm -hmm. prostate cancer, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, how the heck does this happen? Yeah. I mean, I have my own family, yeah. my own close knit family. I have two close males to me that have had prostate issues or prostate cancer and both most likely their testosterone levels were in the trash. Yeah. And so, well, that's also not an easy cancer to navigate. And some people will argue, actually, it is, Adam. It's better than, like, I don't want to sit here on the scale of, like, which cancer do you want to have. Right. But let's talk about none. How about, yeah, you? How about yeah. none? Yeah. But, um, sure, there has been a lot of research that's come out in the last decade to where now they are able to go in and remove prostates and, and through very uh, focused treatments, people are surviving this. Absolutely. But then let's look at the impact to their daily function. Okay. When your prostate is removed, you do not have the ability to have sexual function anymore. Mm. Okay. What is that going to do for a man? Okay. Or the relationship there. I'm not saying that they can't survive that. It's yeah. just, it's a big change. It's a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Let's also look at the fact that uh, most of the time we have to, uh, not most of the time, all the time, an individual has their prostate removed, has to relearn uh, bladder function. Mm. Um, so these men are in diapers. Some men are able to reach uh, an ability of control that their life is not negatively impacted. Others may be in diapers for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. So there is an extreme impact to daily functioning. Yeah. And this is where it like really aligned with me as a mental health clinician, because we like when we're assessing how much um, of like a value do we place to daily impact right, right. and their daily right. function that's everything yeah. it's everything that's mm -hmm. how we really go oh no 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 this is this is something bad right right or and significant get, that yeah. we need to address yeah mm -hmm. this is significant this has to be addressed yeah um but then in this case we're like oh that's acceptable i don't know if that is mm. you know mm -hmm. um or there are some men um a very close mentor of mine who went through this as well went through prostate cancer his mobility has been um affected negatively affected because of this wow you know because there's just a lot of things that are going on in that region mm -hmm. so um again we have to be very attuned to what does this mean in the downstream right longevity of longevity life. of life because yeah. 
uh, a beating is one thing, but being placed in a situation where then I'm, I'm not able to have a quality life. That's yeah. something else. Cause these are questions you're asking at, in your young thirties, not, not in your fifties or sixties. So it's like, you're already mm-hmm. preparing yourself. Like, wait, 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 wait. If I'm dealing with this now, what's going to happen in five, 10, 15 years. And then if, if, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're like, that was a lot of your motivation is like, I, I can't like this longevity wise, this is going to be a problem. And so I want to be able to get to the root. Well, I just couldn't imagine in my thirties looking at life as managed decline. You're telling me that like the best years are behind me and I'm uh, 30. No, no, no. Yeah, like that, like when that first, the first doctor was like, well, this is just kind of life. And I was like, I, I don't, I do not accept that. That's why I never went back to him. Yeah. I actually, well, that's like, good. I'm done. And you're allowed to. That's, I'm, I'm not yeah. coming back to you. Cause I can already, you know, he had basically just written it off as like, well, you're fat mm. and that you sort of do what you are because you're fat. And so mm. good luck to you. And it's like, but you won't even test me for other things. Yeah. You've already sort of, you have your own internal bias uh-huh. to what you believe the medicine says, but you won't even, you know, uh, even consider Right. Maybe something else being on the table. Yeah. And when you do the research and you talk to medical professionals that are willing to talk about it, you bring up like, well, Adam, what would have life looked like when you're 55? Mm. This is what we're talking about with the long-term exposure of low testosterone. I mean, there's also other things that are attributed to this. You have to think that like testosterone in the male body is not an elective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. when all of a sudden there is a deficit of that, how does that affect the overall structure of that male? So if my, uh, you know, uh, muscle structure is negatively impacted, that means my uh, skeletal structure is also negatively impacted. So then we're talking about like your joints, we're talking about arthritis. Mm-hmm. We're talking about all these other things. Now, again, everything I just said there, those were additional prescriptions. Yeah, right. Oh, well, this is for your rheumatoid arthritis. This is for that. Now, how about we look at like um, immunocompromised individuals, mm-hmm. which I am also. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I have uh, I have psoriasis. I have um, eczema on top of it. And yeah. so yeah. the thing that I also noticed was... Th- my psoriasis was just kind of going nuts. I had always been able to have it somewhat contained. Mm-hmm. Um, I use coal tar products, which again, uh, the FDA will tell you will lead to cancer. Mm. But at the same time, uh, what they want me to take is also known to negatively impact my chance of, of being able to have healthy children or uh, impact um, an increased risk of having cancer. So what am I supposed to do here? Right. right? Because the answer to a lot of, uh, the psoriasis treatment is because it's an autoimmune disorder. What they try to do is they try to suppress your natural immune system Mm. because what it is, it's an abundance of cells. Like my body just produces skin faster than it's supposed to. Mm. So if it, if the medicine can decrease the efficiency of my immune system, then I will no longer I shouldn't uh, produce those cells as fast. Problem is then my system may not be able to fight off the free radicals and different things that could cause cancer. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, you, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. I hear you. And so the other side effect of testosterone was watching my psoriasis come back into order. And what my doctor had kind of 
hinted at is he's like, well, but your your body is now functioning with with more of what it has needed to begin with. Uh, I see. So, you know, again, is there a lot of studies out there that testosterone is going to, uh, you know, positively affect, um, you know, your experience psoriasis? No, but I got to say, like, if I change this one thing and I have, I've seen uh, a greater distance uh, or a greater um, difference mm-hmm. in how, uh, my psoriasis breakouts are, I'm going to say, eh, mm-hmm. there seems to be a correlation one way or another. Yeah. So, um, so uh, have you retested? Uh, you might've already said this. Have you retested and like what your number was this and after using. The- so I have retested. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Here. I'll pull this up. Um, let's see right there. So retesting, I'm going to, I'm going to hold some info back. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, you'd be vague. You say it increased like, you know, well, Oh like, yeah. So yeah. like just, so my testosterone obviously increased It increased yeah. by a lot. And what, but, but you knew that by what you were experiencing. I knew it, Yeah. Just physically mentally. I knew it. Yeah. And basically what my doctor had said is he's like, we're going to shoot, we're going to target for a number uh-huh. that uh, we can imagine most males at your age, we're naturally experiencing before we really see the drop off. Okay. And so that was the number that we we're shooting for. Okay. And that's the number we're at. Nice. When you look at my cholesterol, I cut it in half. When wow. you look at my insulin, it cut it in half. When you look at my uh, um, A1C, it dropped it by one point, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Yeah. So um, it's still, I still need to focus on my diet to bring that A1C down even more. Okay. But it's, it's good. Yeah. So it's imagine really if you good. went back to your general practitioner right now, like, what'd you do? Well, I addressed the issue that I came here to. Yeah, to I, I would. It's funny because I've had that thought process. And yeah. I've, you know, the fear that I've had is that they would have been like, oh man, your testosterone, how can we drop that? Like, mm. you know, like it, it just, it's weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. would they, how would have they viewed it? Oh, these numbers are super high. You're off the threshold. What are you like? I, yeah. It, yeah, they probably what, assume what you're, would, you're taking things. Yeah, what you know. would they sort of complain about? I, I don't know. It would be interesting. But it's a difference between <clears throat> having a doctor that I know is truly an advocate for me. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I've I've had like close friends ask, like, well, but Adam, what happened if you happens if you have to maintain this, you know, for the rest of your life that you have to have supplemental testosterone? Um, I mean, short of it being like banned and not can't can't get it in that way, uh I don't see a problem with it. Right. I see like there's more of a problem with me not being able to live a life yeah. that's representative of me. Yeah. You know, me not having that emotional and physical connection with my wife, me feeling as if I don't have the blues and greens in my life. Mm-hmm. I think those are a bigger concern for me than me sitting here and saying, well, um, oh, that, you know, th- that could be a thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like our testing has already shown that my body is naturally producing a lower amount of testosterone. Why is that? I do believe that there's a reason why I am focused now on dropping my weight. I think Mm -hmm. that the studies show that weight is taxing on the male body and does affect the testosterone levels. Mm -hmm. Um, I also am very much focused on what I consume now. Like I'm, you know, I, I was a huge tofu fan, mm-hmm. well, but then you start doing the research and realizing that soy is actually a number one producer of estrogen. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, yep. like it's changed the way that I eat sushi. 
of mm-hmm. like if it's going to be with soy sauce or if it's going to be with amino acids. And there's some great amino acids out there that you can buy that taste just like soy sauce. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just things like that where you go, well, it wasn't me being fat and lazy. Like that was the thing. That was the oh, big takeaway for geez. me because like that was what the medical model was telling me. You're fat and you're lazy. And that's why your numbers are this way. Yeah. And this is why you need Viagra. And, and we know the mental health side of that, just hearing that. And then, you know, them just over and over mm-hmm. and over. What and narrative saying, do you build for yourself? Yeah. What, what do you believe about yourself because of this? I mean, it becomes a core belief. It yeah. becomes a negative core belief. Correct. And then it's really hard to start working outside of that because you just feel like, oh, you're right. Like, like I should have, would have, could have. Now we're based in shame, embarrassment, regret. Yeah. And it was just like, I still read those journals at times. And I still like, there's a part of me that wants to write a book on this because it's like, man, no one wants to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But like looking back on those journals and my journals are largely phone notes, but the phone notes of like, just having me write to an audience of one, right. Which was just me. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, why am I feeling this way? Why can like, I imagine myself going and doing something that I love and I enjoy. And then I get to that moment where I'm about to do it. And I, I just want to run away. Yeah. You know, and would antidepressive best medication actually change that? I don't think it would have. Yeah. I, I think I, if anything, it would have dulled the, the feelings. Right. right. But then what am I? Am I essentially in a medicated state of dissociation? Mm-hmm. And client, I mean, clients that are medicated do ask those questions, mm-hmm. you know, and it, we refer back to psychiatrists, but we also work through like, how do you feel more? How do you experience more? Um, and then we gauge like symptoms and levels of intensity and, you know, try to develop a plan mm. so they can show up well, or at least closer to what they want to show up as, you know, in the everyday functionality of life. And mm-hmm. a lot of them expressing the same symptoms that you're talking about. And, you know, look, there's a lot that play into the, the mental health role. And yeah. so th- th- this is just one component of it, but, imagine you know we've talked about you know mental health and and diet and how much Mm -hmm. we can attribute to what we're eating what we're putting into our bodies sugar i love sugar right and so but it's very destructive and when i started disruptor when i started cutting it out things just started changing and some of the things that you were talking about three weeks ago i was like wait a minute i'm having i'm starting to re-experience some of that Mm -hmm. things just by cutting out sugar increasing my protein intake and exercise and, mm-hmm. and daily water, like just simple. I'm not even into the, into the, the roots of everything that that's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm just changing, making subtle shifts here. Yeah. And I start experiencing some of the things you're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, just by making those subtle changes, mm-hmm. I, I know I'm increasing more testosterone. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, we talked about me getting tested. I got to get tested. I want to get tested. I want to see for myself yeah, what, where I'm number. at. And so like, I, I know like I can physically feel the difference mm-hmm. and it, and it's, it's amazing because all I did was make some yeah. shifts. And so, you know, it's understanding like whether you're at this point or at this point, there are some shifts that we can take mm-hmm. a lot. I, I agree with you on the food, like what we take in. Mm-hmm. And um, what we eat is going to have a physiological response. And we're, we're going to maybe feel more achy when we eat more sugar. Yep. That, that, that's one of the other things is I find myself taking less uh, pain medicine 
almost none now yeah. because I cut out sugar. Yeah. And so the aches and pains that used to really give me a hard time. And I, hey, I don't know if it's a direct correlation. I'm just telling you what's worked. Well, we know how the body, yeah. like again, this is, you can actually find this in studies mm-hmm. that sugar is a producer of inflammation in the body. All right. Okay. So when we look at how the body treats sugar, and we also look at how the body treats heroin. Mm-hmm. And I know that people are like, what are you talking about? But seriously, there is a study out there that will shock you to death of showing how the brain structure fires up on heroin yeah. and how it yeah. fires up on sugar. Mm-hmm. And they are identical. Yep. So much so that the study was like, which one's which? Mm-hmm. But true. when you realize like I can show right off the bat. Like if, if you want to know if I've been eating carbs and sugars, yeah. pay attention to my psoriasis. Yeah. My psoriasis will explode if I'm on those things. And when you say carbs, you're talking about like processed floury yeah. carbs, right? So like breads and that type Yeah. Of stuff. I still try to stay away from um, like the regular potatoes, but sweet potatoes. Yeah. I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. Um, but yes, when you really look at like the the way that flour is, and again, please, if you if you love this podcast and go, man, I want to jump into this a little bit, the first book I would recommend to you is the Obesity Code. Mm-hmm. The Obesity Code will set you straight because what it's going to talk to you about is actually the molecular structure of like flour mm-hmm. and how it's not what you think it is. Where some dude's got a donkey in a millstone and they're grinding like <laughs> right. wheat, yeah, yeah. and they're like, "Boom, this is flour." Like, <laughs> yeah. no, our flour is actually chemically stripped. Look on the bags; it will say bleached. The, yeah. it, it's not a different in, bleach. Rice is enriched. Is it's the same thing, it's right? it's the same bleach. Well, you know, the one that will take a black shirt and turn it into white yeah. and you are eating this stuff. And so what does it do? It's basically, it is a completely empty carb. So that's why a lot of people are like lost on they're like, wait a second, back in the early like 1900s, yeah, yeah. people were still eating carbs and we were fine and there wasn't all this stuff. And when you look at like celiac disease and you look at gluten issues, mm-hmm. the, you know, there's... It's not just, oh, wow, our medical profession has gotten so well, uh, you know, orchestrated through technology that we're able to find these all different different components. It's also when we started doing a lot of GMO stuff. Like, and if you, you know, not to draw again, put the tinfoil down, but another thing to start researching is the fact that, like, we're running out of the ability to have natural grains in America. Mm-hmm. We've gotten to a point where even the GMO processed grains have cross-pollinated with the natural grains. Mm -hmm. And we're now looking at going into a future where like a wheat seed is not going to look like a wheat seed under a microscope because it's got, it has just inherently through generations picked up Mm -hmm. different genetically modified traits. Mm -hmm. So this isn't going to be an issue that goes away. I mean, this is why, like, my wife and I, we live and breathe this stuff in the way that, like, we are looking at a way to have our own sustainability in being able to self-farm, yeah. produce our own meats. Yeah. That's why? why we live close to you. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to farm. Why? Because yeah. it, it, it is something that we need to talk about. Because yeah. something that my grandmother said once that really, like, brought this full, you know, brought this all back to me. Was she, before she passed away, she had talked to me about like how she used to know the butcher Mm. and the butcher used to know the farmer. And when you would ask like, oh, where did this come from? They'd be able to tell you, it came from this farm and this family does it. 
you know, do me a favor, walk into Kroger's, uh, Publix, uh, Albertsons, Ralph's, and ask them, hey, where did this meat come from? Are they going to be able to answer you? They probably won't. They don't know where it came from mm-hmm. because we've been so removed from where that animal was processed. Yeah. How was that animal raised? What was that animal fed? I mean, there's, again, there's mechanisms and process that are, are put there because of the financial ability to make money. And I, I don't want this to just be a conspiracy podcast. I want this to be something that just makes you start to ask questions. Yeah. Without because that. I'm telling you, if I didn't ask, ask questions, my wife wouldn't be pregnant right now. Like my wife is pregnant based on the fact that we both went and started meeting with a doctor who cared about his patients, who was able to help us get all of our numbers where they needed it to be. And you're telling me that basically a month after meeting with this guy, my wife was pregnant. Wow. When all the other forms of the medical machine yeah. were like, well, maybe it's time to start thinking about IVF. Yeah. Maybe it's, you know, we could we could start doing some injections and some shots and that's big business too. It, first and again, of all, first I'm, of all, congratulations! Like, well, thank you. The, I mean, we, we've been with you guys and know that we've had the conversations of the the challenges and your heart's desire. And to hear, like, I, I'm just it just takes me back to when you meet with the the, the medical physician and he's like, "No, well, we're going to give you this and this and this." But you advocating for yourself, I think that's what I hope our listeners really take to account is like advocate for yourself. You don't have to take this doctor's word for it. Get a second opinion. There's nothing wrong with that, with you getting a second opinion. They got their degree. We know how to get degrees. We know, you know, the work it takes, but on the flip side, we also know that, you know, he's, he's uh, (laughs) part of a bigger corporation, so to speak, and they're going to push specific things. And so all, all we want to do in this podcast is the personal experience, create curiosity and ask questions and advocate for yourself. If you really believe that this is something that you want to look into or an area of life that you want more education on, do the, do the work because otherwise you're just going to be told this is what, what it is. And then we, you know, we just, oh, they're a doctor. They care about me. Um, yeah, maybe. We don't, we don't know them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if there's a, a, a physician out there that says, I hear you. And yeah, you know what? I agree with you. Let's, let's do blood work. Let's take panels on these mm-hmm. things because they align with what, what you're starting yeah. to, you know, see and ask. Fantastic. And that's what you did. Like that, in my opinion, when you, when you, when you shared all this information, I'm like, how fantastic was it that Adam advocated for himself? He listened to his wife. He listened to the people that were close to him. And he he knew that there was more to this mm-hmm. than, than just what he's, the information he's been given. Yeah. And there, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. Nope. And I, I don't think it's conspiracy, nothing. I, I just want you to be educated and understand like, hey, there's these systems in place that like when money's going to be made, mm-hmm. it's going to push people through this, this, and this. I've seen it. I've experienced it. So yeah. I, I can understand to a certain degree. And it's like, yeah, they spend five minutes, 10 minutes with you. And then they're out. The, the professional you saw spent like 30 to 45 minutes with you, probably up to an hour. 
just in the initial visit and like mm -hmm. understanding, okay, family system, where, where did this come from health wise, you know, all these yep. different things. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Like <laughs> what doctors do that? You yeah. Know? There's not many. I mean, I felt like I was back in a therapy session because yeah. he sat down with legal pad and like, we just went through it. Wow. And so that's, you know, another big takeaway is like, I want people to hear the term concierge doctor. Concierge like, doctor. Yep. You are, if you feel like you are being underserved, uh, and you're not being represented in what you have through corporate healthcare, you can go out and you can buy this. A lot of times people feel like, well, no, does that mean I have to get rid of my insurance? I'll tell you how I run it. I have regular insurance. Mm -hmm. And then this is a supplemental to that. Fantastic. Yeah. Because I know that I want to be able to like, God forbid, I need to go ER, urgent care, something like yeah. that, be in a hospital, yeah. I can get in. Yeah. But um, when people go, well, how, how much is this? Like, is it thousands of dollars? I mean, we've, paid multiple ones some are as affordable as $1,500 for the year mm -hmm. others are $2,500 for the year mm -hmm. like it but when you sit there and you sit back and you go well wait a second would I do that or wouldn't I do that how much do you pay for freaking cable a year yeah true like like trust me if you're sitting there going man that's a lot of money it's not yeah. when you break it down by 12 yeah. and it just sure for is. internet it's about a thousand at yeah. least right and so well and i mean i guarantee you this i guarantee if you added up all your receipts from going out to eat every oh, yeah. year you, it would be more than 2500 you're crushing 2500 yeah it's 7500 bucks is probably what you spend on entertainment and food a year mm, that that's on at the low least, side yeah I'll right say that's on the low side and probably. so you could have at least two members of your family being seen by a concierge doctor and the best part about it is, uh, you know, a lot of these places, another one, another like a network is called VIPMD. Uh, in no way am I associated with them, but I'm just letting you know they exist. Uh, you know, you can even you, you can even tell them I'm unhappy with the, the concierge doctor I have and they will move you to a different one. OK, right? so like yeah. um, our our person that we found is out of you know, any specific network. Mm -hmm. And that was perfectly fine for us because we went off of just word of mouth. People said, you know, he saved my life. Perfect. I'm there. Yeah, <laughs> What's yeah. his name? How do I get there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but these people are real gems, right? So you have to protect them as well. It's, uh, you know, I truly appreciate everything that this man has done for me. And if I hadn't been able to find someone like him, I'd still be out there sort of spinning my wheels. And coming closer and closer to the idea of do I have to accept a lower standard of living than what I think I'm capable of? Yeah. Wow. Fit. And there's a lot for our listeners to chew on today. Yes, it is. I, I hope the big takeaway is if you have been having these feelings a little bit of like, I feel like something's off, but I don't think it's depression. I don't think it's anxiety. Um, I'm feeling these things, but I, I just, I'm lacking the energy. The other thing for me was mental health fog. Like I, I just had fog when, when it came to my mental yeah. capabilities yeah. and, uh, you know, those things have all gone away. They, wow. they have. And I, I don't want to sit out here and feel like I'm a snake oil salesman, but it's, it blew me away of like, oh, I feel back. I feel like I did when I first started the journey of like, Ooh, I feel like it's going away, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and just the ability to pop out of bed, yeah. be able to do things. I don't have to sit there and talk myself out of bed. Wow. Oh, let's get the day started. Oh, come on. You can do it. And like, just boom, that alarm goes off. Perfect. Let's take our shower. Let's get into our routine. And again, it, testosterone is not going to fix itself or fix everything. Just doing it. You're going to have to say, all right, now let's put a routine together for my success. Yeah, exactly. So, Fantastic. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing and I appreciate no you just being open and vulnerable and I, I hope 
you know, the listeners really, you know, start asking questions, you know, mm -hmm. if they're struggling with the same things and, you know, kind of take your, you know, follow your lead in advocating for themselves. Fantastic. You, you know, I just, we, as men, we have to start having these conversations because I think it's, it's unacceptable that we're seeing increased suicidality when it comes to um, men. I think it's uh, just, it's, it's so frustrating for me to see what I think society has come to accept for men, yeah. their mental health and their capabilities. Yeah. And I did nothing wrong to get a low T score. Well, my testosterone, uh, testosterone, testosterone score being low was yeah. not my fault. Yeah. So. And it's just understanding that. So we don't exactly, we don't apply There's it to no that shame. shame. Right. Exactly. Wow. Well, guys, I appreciate you sitting with us Fantastic. hearing a little bit of our, conversation this week we'll have another one up for two weeks that's right i love you brother i right, love you. you all right see you guys have a good drive take care